This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. All right. Episode 323. Star Trek, the motion picture. Road trip. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend, Plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Yes, we never thought it would happen. Except I've been talking about it on the podcast for a while, so I guess we did think it would happen. But here I am, heading out in my car to go and see Star Trek, the motion picture on the big screen. And I decided to document this and my feelings and thoughts and and everything that goes along with that uh, in a road trip episode. And so here I go. I'm going to the theater that I don't like because the seats don't fit my body right. But I'm going anyway because I'm going to go see Star Trek, the motion picture, on the big screen. Now what's interesting to me about this is that I get to see it on the big screen for the first time ever. I've seen this movie many, many times, but there's something about seeing something on the big screen that was meant for the big screen. Um, You know, it's interesting because, maybe interesting to me, but maybe not to anyone else, but... um, you know, I'm still going to talk about it. Uh, just just last week, I went and saw Downton Abbey on the big screen. And, you know, it's another one of those movies that was actually a TV show. And then they had their final episode. And then they went and did one more thing for the big screen. Now, Downton Abbey felt like it was just, a, you know, one of those special two-hour episode kind of things. But it was on the big screen. And, and so, as a result, there were a couple things that for me uh, were different because, you know, when I watched the TV show, it was just on my little tiny television in our our upstairs bedroom. And uh, seeing Downton Abbey on the big screen, you're able to see the Abbey on the big screen. And that was really cool because you're able to see just the size and and you got a, a sense, there was always a sense of scale, but you actually got to, you know, feel the scale of it and and just get a feel for how big this place was and how how um grand it was there's a couple other buildings as well that you know it was just these sweeping shots and and so you're actually able to see uh the abbey on on the on this bigger scale than on the television and the, the question is is the story worth the uh the added expense of of paying to see something that you used to be able to see for free uh, on PBS, you know, and, and the same thing happens here with Star Trek. The, you know, you have this small screen primary color uh, thing with Star Trek where they, you know, the uniforms for the Starfleet officers in Star Trek, they were, you know, the bright yellow, bright blue, bright, bright red, 
and just those bright primary colors so they could help people to you know really know that oh, I'm watching something in color and it's going to be great you know because I have it on my color TV um, but then with Star Trek the motion picture is it's like warm blues and grays and beige uh, and white um, and a little bit of rainbow uh, effect every once in a while but um, but they also they made it for the big screen and that's why I'm so excited to be able to go and see this and, uh, and be able to see like these these shots that they spent so much time on and then for me to experience it for the first time it was on network television so it was cropped and it was this really low resolution and so I'm excited about that for that reason I'm excited about it because um, well I'm not sure what cut of the movie it's going to be and so I'm not sure how long I'm actually going to be able to be in it but uh, there's going to be I would assume they're going to have the overture at the beginning, Jerry Goldsmith's music. And, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm just going in it for, for the experience and just to let it wash over me and let it uh, just, uh, just just go back into, you know, nostalgia and, and relive this movie, you know, for the first time. And I know this is a movie that a lot of people find boring and I'm going to try not to talk about that too much, but the fact is it is a movie that doesn't move very fast. And, you know, they call it the motion picture, and people call it the great irony of Star Trek is that the motion picture is uh, motionless. And uh, But I, I'm just excited to see all the... see it on the big screen. Um, but, I'm, you know, I've also been thinking a lot about just what what is it about this movie that that engages me? And and uh, so I'm, I'm... I don't know. I, there's, there's a spiritual side to this movie that... And, and, and a character side to this movie that kind of gets passed over because the character moments, there are not many, but there are some very important turning points for the, the Star Trek cast, especially the, the primary two, Spock and, and, and Kirk. But because it's couched in this movie that just has so many special effects shots and so many money shots and it spends so much time focusing on the effects and, and focusing on the tech and focusing on the the scale and and the grandeur and the space exploration and the uh you know stanley kubrick 2001-ness of it all um that the character moments kind of get lost lost in the shuffle and and people just I don't know I mean people just don't like this movie and and that's fine that's fine but I do and so I'm excited to see it on the big screen never thought I'd be seeing it on the big screen to be honest and uh I'm, I'm not sure how much more I could talk about the you know how how exciting it is to see it on the big screen um I will say this also uh they did a good job of the motion picture feeling like it is part and parcel with the TV series, even though there's changes to the ship, changes to the aliens, uh, but just like you know, Downton Abbey, where I felt like I was just watching just a, another but slightly bigger episode of Downton Abbey, and, and don't get me wrong, uh, if you're a fan of Downton Abbey, it's worth seeing on the big screen, but it's also going to be worth seeing on, on the small screen if, if you don't uh, see it on the big screen, and it's, I've said the word screen so many times just now, but um, 
that's the same kind of thing with the Star Trek motion picture here. And you know, as I was talking with with Steve about this in the last episode, I th- I think the chronology here is going to be that that was the last episode that we've released. Um, that it would be interesting to see what would happen if you would add this down to a one-hour distillation of of Star Trek and, and you know make it a uh, episodic, uh, more more like an episode of the TV show. But, uh, I'm pretty sure that this is going to end up being one of my, if not the last words on Strangers and Aliens about Star Trek the motion picture because uh, you can only sing the praises of something that people don't really like <laughs> so long. So. I'm getting close to the theater, and I'm going to go ahead and turn off my recorder and uh, go inside, watch the movie, and then I will come out, and I will, I will talk about uh, just what, the, what this big screen experience was like. And you know what? I may decide that this uh, episode is just too boring to release as an episode, but I also might have something to think about and to talk about, something worth talking about. Who knows? I don't know. We'll see close enough to the theater that I feel like I should just keep talking right now and um, at the same time I I feel like maybe you as a listener don't want me to keep talking right now so I'm gonna go ahead and stop why no I'm not gonna go ahead and stop because that one you know I'm just gonna actually turn on my turning signal turn into the theater and then I'm gonna go ahead and stop because uh, maybe I'll also have to do some tricky editing just to make it sound like I wasn't vamping for time so much but I'm here now, I'm going to go inside, I'm going to go and see a movie that was meant to be seen in a large screen format. And yeah, there's just something special about that. Uh, of course, for some people it's not as special because, you know, they already have giant televisions, but I never have. I never have had a giant television that's just available to me to be able to do this kind of thing and, uh, you know, have that home theater experience. So, all right. Here I am, pulling into my parking spot, and let's go see a movie. Okay, so I'm back, and uh, if I was wondering if I was going to use this for an episode or not, well, my mind has been made up. I'm definitely, you know, I've got some things to say because uh, this was a very, very interesting experience. I I witnessed a completely different experience with this movie that I've never experienced before. I okay, so I said I say said interesting a lot, and I said uh, big screen and little screen a lot. I'm probably going to say those more. And uh, experience is probably a word I'm also going to end up saying quite a bit. But this theater experience, uh, seeing it on this big screen as it was intended to be seen, was completely different than any other, even on my medium-sized television. You know, my... my uh, it's not even medium-sized. Medium it's uh, not extra-small television that I have at home. And, and watching the uh, DVD, you know, and these, these HD or close to it uh, resolution, uh, watching the movie this time, I saw things I had never, ever seen before. I saw uh, small little details like a face in a window as the sh- shuttle is 
uh, as the the shuttle pod is getting ready to, to connect with the the ship and and uh, just these these details that I, I never saw before. Some of the details being details that I've seen in photos in like Starlog magazine, uh, but never saw in in the actual film itself. Uh, now this was the original theatrical cut, so the line from Dr. McCoy where he says we all create God in our own image uh, was not in this one. Instead, they really focused more on the uh, the aspect of creating a new life and, and evolving into a new life. Uh, but what was thematically interesting to me uh, was just this idea, and, and I've been thinking about this, and I, I don't know if this is, I don't know if I'll take the time to write an article about this, but I want to you know, get down my thoughts about Spock and his search for self uh, and and just how that's kind of, in a lot of ways, his through line from, well, now from Discovery through to uh, Star Trek uh, 2009. But you have Spock trying to find self by just embracing complete logic and, and embracing, you know, basically... Um, the physical embracing the understandable and and then you have him in this movie realizing and, and I, i've noticed this before but um realizing that that's not you, you aren't you aren't going to get fulfillment in that and the only reason that viger is the only way that viger is going to get fulfillment because it's a machine it's complete logic and it has gone as far as it can with understanding in this known universe and the only way it can go past the known universe and the understanding of this universe is to embrace the human ability to make leaps beyond logic. In other words, faith, you know, and able to step beyond uh, what is visible and, and physical and, and knowable. And, and so then you have Spock just kind of realizing this for himself in this movie. And then it, it moves on in, into the later movies, uh, even into the next generation when he's going to um, try and uh, get reunification for Romulans and, and Vulcans. And it, it goes beyond that. His character arc does, does go, but this is the, a turning point for that, that character arc. Um, but what I was saying earlier about just the sense of scale and, and just enormous scale of, of this me- mechanical life form that is V'ger, um, in this movie, some of this was just spectacular. And I've already had an appreciation for that, but having read that seven to 800 page book about how they did all this, uh, and then having uh, you know seen this movie so many times on small screens. In fact, the last time I watched this movie, it was on my phone, that iPhone SE that I have, that when I bought it, it was an old thing. It was outdated when it was new uh, for me, new, new to me, it was outdated. And, uh, it's a small little screen. I don't know what, what you would say the dimensions are on that, but you know, like three inches by two inches. Um, and, and that's the last time I watched this movie was, was on that, uh, phone and, and to now step and, and watch it on this crisp crystal clear screen. Uh, but again, I'm going to use that word, but I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's just, it's apparently one of my things, but I'm becoming very aware of it as I'm editing podcasts lately. Um, what's interesting was that while some of this was so spectacular and able to just be able to see the details, the other interesting thing that when it's blown up large is that you were able to see the, the warts 
and you were able to see the uh, the photographic artifacts and the you know the lines uh, from when they were compositing shots and uh, the you know they, they did this technique I cannot remember from my film school days that's a technique where they would actually have a lens that was divided in half and so you could do a dual focus and you could focus on something in the extreme foreground and focus on something in the background and they'll both be in focus but a lot of times that creates a fuzzy line in between and uh, this watching it up on the, the big screen like this just brought that uh, brought that particular defect into focus uh, where you could see this this hazy this haziness was not just in a, a line down the middle of the screen where the, the two lenses were put together, but it was um, very distracting, very, very distracting. Um, but like I said, there were things that I was able to notice I had never noticed before that were really cool, like uh, the one character who um, actually, when Captain Kirk takes takes control of the Enterprise and, and it turns out that Decker is going to not be able to be the, the commander of the Enterprise uh, for this mission, there's a guy who says, well, what about Decker? And, and everyone else is just looking at him and saying, hey, you know, our chances of coming back for this mission just, just multiplied. Um, he's all over the place in this movie. I <laughs> didn't notice. Like he's, there's one scene where he's just standing in the background um, where uh, Captain Kirk's head is, is in the extreme foreground and he's just standing in the background with his arms folded and listening into the conversation. And um, the other really cool thing, again, seeing it so big and being able to see these details that are not as visible or not as noticeable is there was this crowd scene now this crowd scene in this movie is is famous for having actual star trek fans who were placed into the crowd um what i had never noticed before was that in this crowd there are some aliens there are a couple vulcans there are a couple native americans uh who are actually you know wearing some traditional dress and uh there's this really cool looking guy in the front who's bald um he looks a lot like uh, some different captains that they've had in some of the later movies. And, and then um, even on Discovery looks a little bit, I guess, a little bit like Lorca. Um, but anyway, he, he's, he's just bald and, and just tough. You know? And so you have uh, those, those details. But then you start, you know, I've already seen a lot of the uh, uh, flaws in the uh, narrative structure, and especially the editing and the pacing and that sort of thing. I don't know how I would change that. Part of the pacing comes from just being, you know, tracking along just to see how big this thing is as you have this tiny Enterprise flying into this giant ship and flying over this mechanical life form. Uh, so you're just, there's those flaws, but then there's also, like I said, some of those uh, other. Um, just special effects flaws. Some of it, I think, might have actually been something they could have fixed if they had had more time to, to get the movie done, uh, but they, they didn't. Uh, as I'm watching this movie, I'm also thinking about just this, uh, the horror of the unknown. And, and this is where, you know, the, the Star Trek uh, theme is to boldly go where no one has gone before, to seek out new life and civilization. This is that. They're, they're coming across a brand new life form with brand new energy uh, sig signatures. And, and as they're, they're looking at this thing, and it's alive, and it's huge, and it's moving, and it's unearthly. And it, it's kind of, um, as I was sitting there thinking about it in the theater, I was just thinking, you know, it's like, it's like the completely mundane Call of Cthulhu kind of a thing where uh, it's slow moving 
and it's not really all that intimidating, but it's so unearthly and unworldly. And, and the people who are doing those special effects. Now, this definitely falls to the people who were creating the effects. I mean, the story with uh, Alan Dean Foster and Gene Roddenberry and Harold Livingston, I think, are the three people who had worked on the story for this thing. Uh, the, the story itself, you know, takes it into that place where we're looking down the throat of something that's completely unknown. Uh, but then at the center of it is this human desire for knowledge. And, and so as you have this gigantic thing and, and, and seeing it on the big screen, I'd never thought of it this way before, where you have this giant thing that is just all encompassing and that is going to destroy anything in its path that's going to stop it from getting stronger and getting, uh, more, more knowledgeable and, and just getting more information. And as it's doing this, uh, you know, they, they go in and they peel away these layers of the onion and, and they get to this, the final thing. And the final thing is just the Voyager probe. And it's this small satellite that got sent out. Uh, and, and it, it, it's got sent out in the human lust for information. And so this huge thing at its very core is just this very tiny thing. And they even call it out as a child. And it's a child that wants to grow. And that's what we all are is we're all children that are just growing. And, and you know, we're in this huge world and we have this huge effect on the world. Uh, but we're just these tiny, tiny creatures in this great grand world, but we can't just rely on, on knowledge and we can't just rely on, on the tactile and we can't just rely on what we are able to know and what we are able to see. You know, faith is, is, uh, you know, taking and and believing in the unseen and, and, uh, and believing in the unprovable even more so, you know, uh, as we, you know, Spock is looking to just embrace logic. He only wants the provable. But, you know, we do look at, and, and there is some element of provableness with uh, our relationship with, with Christ. And, and, you know, there's historical provability and, and there's, you know, experiential provability. And, and then there's the, um, uh, the, the lasting uh, scripture, which, which has, you know, lasted for so long and it's alive, and it's real, and it's life-changing. And so there are, are elements of provability, I guess. Um, but it goes beyond that. And, and a life of just wanting to know the known is, is a life that will be ultimately unsatisfying. Um, it's, it's as you move closer to uh, the, the great unknown uh, that, that, you, that you find real satisfaction. The great unknown being God who makes himself known through Christ and his Holy Spirit. And, uh, so I guess, you know, there's, there's some things that this movie gets me thinking about, but, um, this is a completely new experience and, and it's like, uh, it's like nothing I'd ever witnessed before with this. And I just really love so much that I was able to experience this the way that the people who made this movie intended it to be experienced. And so uh, there's, there's some words that I'm just using a lot. Big screen, little screen, experience, uh, interesting. Um, but this is so much fun. And I hope, if nothing else, out of this, uh, this podcast, if you are not a fan of the motion picture, 
I hope, if nothing else, that uh, you get to um, experience with me some things that I really enjoy and you get to experience um, my fandom with me. Um, and if you don't like the motion picture, I mean, I don't think that seeing it on the big screen is going to change your mind. I mean, it is what it is, and I am well aware of what it is. Uh, but uh, to watch it this way, oh my goodness, it was, um, it was an experience. I could see someone even looking at it as, as a religious experience. And I guess it was close to that for me, where I got to see something new and uh, get me thinking about, you know, just what it means to, to be human. Uh, because what it means to be human is to find your relationship with God. Uh, that really is what it means to be human. Uh, that's what he wants, you know. He, he had that perfect relationship with us. We kicked it away. Uh, we broke the covenant. We screwed it up. And then uh, he wants to repair that, and he loves us that way. So anyway, I'm home. I'm actually at my uh, doorstep and going in the screen door. I'm going to stop recording here, go get some groceries with my kids. But... Wow, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter where we are at Strange and Alien or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is one 804 Once again, thanks for listening. Big screen, little screen, experience, uh, interesting.